Good morning. Welcome to The Briefing. I'm Tom Tilley. It's Friday the 22nd of May and Jan France here. I am here and a little later in the show we're going to take a bit of a deep dive on the question of why COVID-19 is killing more men everywhere. And also we're going to look at why women outlive men and why men and women die differently. And I don't know if a lot of blokes are going to really love the answer to this one. It certainly surprised me. Yep, that's coming up later in the show. First, let's find out what else is making news this morning. Look, border closures have been a big talking point this week. Uh, New South Wales, not happy that Western Australia, South Australia, Queensland and Tassie are staying closed because of coronavirus. And Pauline Hanson, the One Nation leader, has weighed in. Um, She's threatening to take Queensland to the High Court, claiming it's unconstitutional to stop interstate travel. We have to learn to live with coronavirus. And uh, if we don't open up our borders and start getting people to move through to the regional and rural areas, get the tourists from down south coming up here, we won't have a state left. Anastasia Palaszczuk, who's uh, Queensland's Premier, didn't seem too stressed about the potential legal action, though. Uh, She did point out one pretty glaring issue with it. If she wants to do that, uh, that's entirely up to her. But by the time uh, any um, action, uh, you know, got to the High Court, I'm quite sure the borders would be open. (laughs) Good point. Now, while you might not be able to head into state for a holiday yet, businesses are starting to go back to normal at least, with major Aussie retailer Maya opening up its stores this week. Yeah, interesting Pauline Hansen speaking out. I think while she's a bit of an outlier, more people are going to put pressure on the state premiers to open their borders, particularly federal politicians in those states, I imagine, who want to see those economies open back up. Yeah, look, I understand states wanting to close their borders off to New South Wales and Victoria because we are seeing the highest number of cases in those two states. But a very small number. Well, that's right, exactly. And most of them are recovered. Yeah, so that's the tension, isn't it? Yeah, and as we continue the debate around easing restrictions here, overseas, all American states are now starting to emerge from their lockdown. All 50 of them have at least partially reopened uh, for now. This is despite the fact that a number of cases continue to climb in 17 separate US states. And meanwhile, President Donald Trump is continuing to attack China. Overnight, he accused them of global mass killings. Uh, He also had this response when asked about his own coronavirus test. And I tested very positively in in another sense. So this morning, yeah, I tested positively toward negative, right? So, no, I tested uh, perfectly this morning, Meaning, meaning I tested negative. It was the best test ever. <laughs> I tested positively towards negative. Okay, it's an interesting way of saying that. And look, it's Friday. Let's give you a little refresher in case you've forgotten some of the gems that the 45th president has given us recently. He did confirm this week that he's taking the unproven drug hydroxychloroquine to ward off coronavirus. Now, this is something that US doctors have urged against. I happen to be taking it. I happen to be taking it. Hydroxychloroquine? I'm taking it. Hydroxychloroquine. Right now, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I started taking it. Because I think it's good. I've heard a lot of good stories. Now, I do worry that the more we laugh at Trump and are entertained by him, the less we analyse the potential mistakes that he's making as a president. But... That was the funniest press conference I've heard him give so far. Oh, really? Oh, in, in, the, I, in the last four years, there, there have been many. I loved it. I'm taking it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a Do negative you... or a positive or a positive for a negative <gasps> or a negatively oh, positively? Was, there is an Australian medical trial going on on the um, efficacy 
of that drug to ward off against the coronavirus. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. And I guess also to find out who else is taking it. And a car has ploughed into a hijab shop, injuring 14 people in Sydney's southwest. Yeah, there's a video of the incident. It shows the Mitsubishi SUV burning rubber while stopping at the traffic lights, and then it hits a car next to it before crashing into the front of the hijab house in the suburb of Greenacre yesterday afternoon. Here's some of that footage. Yeah, it really was a miracle that no one was seriously injured in that crash. Uh, Police say that the 51-year-old was known to them for traffic offences. He was arrested at the scene and taken to hospital for mandatory blood and urine tests. He was interviewed and then released. There's still no explanation why the crash happened and police are still investigating. With hundreds of thousands of Aussies out of the job, Fair Work Australia says unfair dismissal claims have soared by 70% since the start of the lockdown, its biggest jump ever. Now, I don't want to use the word unprecedented because I've heard it too much Don't recently. do it. <laughs> we won't do it. I'm going to talk around it. Um, the general manager um, of the Fair Work Commission, Bernadette O'Neill, has told a Senate committee that it's so significantly higher than any other period of our records. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good workaround. I, I to prefer just... <laughs> that than hearing that other word again. Let's use 10 other words just in the replacement of one, but go yeah. on. And so the Fair Work Commission said they actually need more government funding to deal with the increasing claims. Yeah, speaking of jobs, yesterday we heard that a landmark court ruling found that casuals, and these are casuals who work regular predictable shifts, are entitled to annual and sick leave. Now, the Australian Industry Group says that that could force businesses to shell out $8 billion in back pay, and the government is now organising urgent talks with unions and businesses about the matter. That number, a 70% increase in claims for unfair dismissal is, is a massive number. But I actually think the real number could be higher. Even just from my own personal circle of friends, I know that people have been put under unfair pressure in the workplace and they're not speaking up because they feel lucky to have a job. Mm. People that have been asked to go down to three or four days a week but are still doing full-time hours. Yeah, so as high as this figure is, you reckon that actually there's more who are just not saying anything because the, they fear they might lose their yeah, job in this climate. The yeah. real problem could be much bigger. Why are more men dying from coronavirus? In Italy, 70% of those who've died have been men. In New York City, that number's 61%. Here in Australia, 55% of people who've died from coronavirus are men. And that's happening across all age groups from the age of 30 to 90 plus. So why is this happening? Well, it turns out that one reason is that women are genetically superior to men. So females have two X chromosomes, uh, males have an X and a Y chromosome, and that extra X chromosome actually gives women a greater advantage throughout life. Now, I'm going to let someone who didn't stop doing science in year 10 explain how this all works. Uh, that's Dr. Sharon Moalam. He is the author of a book called The Better Half, The Genetic Superiority of Women. Now, Jen, you seem to really like the title of that book. I did. Which is why you started the interview with this question. Do you mind just stroking my ego for a second and just giving me a nice long sure. list of all of the ways that women are superior to men? <laughs> well, it, it starts off with um, sex chromosomes. So having inherited two X's right off the bat gives you an advantage because there's about a thousand genes on that X compared 
to the Y that men have, which has about 70. And many of those genes are involved in immunity and making and maintaining a brain. And so having an extra thousand genes that are crucial for survival pays off when it comes to longevity and survival at every point in the life course. It actually doesn't have much to do with male, female. It, it's really the, the uh, sex of the species that gets the two sex chromosomes that are the same. So in birds, it's actually reversed. Males have the advantage. They inherit the equivalent of two X's, uh, chromosomes called ZZ. So, Sharon, in the blurb of the book, you say that yeah. women live longer than men, um, stronger immune systems, better at fighting cancer, surviving famine. Um, they're simply stronger than men at every stage of life. Now, I'm sure yeah. Jan was enjoying having that ego stroke, but I'm getting my, my macho heckles up here. What do you mean by stronger at every stage of life? Because doesn't the research show that men are physically stronger in upper lower body, are less prone to sporting injuries, those sort of strength measures? You're right. So when it comes to physical strength as opposed to genetic or biological strength, males have an advantage, of course, because having increased muscle mass. And, um, you know, this helped their species survive. It helped men uh, over the ages protect their families and their communities with that upper body strength. It comes at a cost because having increased muscle mass, which is driven largely by your testes that produce testosterone, suppresses the immune system as well. So suppressing the immune system to divert more energy for that muscle mass to help you fuel that strength. And that's why in the book I equate men to muscle cars and women to um, hybrids <laughs> because men have that power to, you know, motor through life. Um, but, you know, muscle cars tend to break down. And if you want something that's more dependable, right. take you out throughout the life course to the far end, and you're looking at a, at a hybrid, which is, uh, you know, powered by the double X chromosomes that females inherit. So that's useful to clarify, I think, that we're not just talking about physical strength, we're talking about genetic strength. Yeah. And I think that was a handy analogy that he made there with the muscle car, which can burn out quickly versus a hybrid, which I think has, you know, a longer, cleaner run. Yeah. And Dr. Sharon then went on to tell us that this is why more men are dying from the coronavirus. When it comes to pandemics and, and famines, actually, men don't do as well as women. And usually the, the mortality is that same pattern. You see this two to one male mortality over females when they're challenged. When it comes to COVID-19, the coronavirus, uh, there's a, a gene called TLR7 um, that immune cells use to recognize coronaviruses, exactly like COVID-19, and that's on the X chromosome. So females right off the bat have two different versions of, that, of those genes, that particular gene. And so what they can do is uh, one population of cells that has a really good way of recognizing COVID-19 because it has the, uh, a gene with good recognition, could use that. And then the other population that might have uh, better genes that are killing the coronavirus, so that these two populations of cells, one recognizing and the other one coming in and doing the killing, can cooperate and work together. And so females really have this leg up when it comes to survival. Dr. Mawalam says that all of this, now that we sort of understand it a little bit better, can actually help guide treatment in a global pandemic like the one we're experiencing now to ensure that men don't die at higher rates possibly. This is now leading to some clinical trials where um, men who are sick with the coronavirus are going to be given uh, female hormones such as estrogens 
to see does that stimulate the immune system because we know that female sex hormones, uh, hormones like estrogens really make uh, female immune cells much more aggressive. Testosterone inhibits the immune system. So if we can change the hormonal milieu in men and at least temporarily give them that advantage that females naturally have, that may help so many men who are struggling in ICUs around the world right now. That was Dr. Sean Mollum, a genetics researcher and author of the book, The Better Half on the Genetic Superiority of Women. Feels like the title of a book you'd write, Jan. Yeah. I'd only get so far as the title though, because my brain doesn't <laughs> compute any kind of science. The title was good enough for me. Uh, let's get another perspective actually on, on the issue of death and why it's different for men and women. So we're going to ask the bigger question here. This is outside of COVID-19. How do we die? Mm. It's a very existential. It's a big question. It's a big question, but there are some very specific scientific answers to this. But we're going to look at what on average eventually kills us and how that actually differs for men and women. Dr. Rebecca Kippen is a demographer from Monash Uni who's done a PhD on death What do you make of Dr. Molum's research? Do you think that the genetic superiority of women is what accounts for less women dying from coronavirus? I agree that women are certainly genetically superior in terms of uh, mortality and survival. The problem with COVID-19 at the moment is that the virus has only been around for five months. So we've been only doing research on this phenomenon for a few weeks, really. So it was observed fairly early on that men were dying from COVID-19 at a greater rate than women. And the speculation at that time, because the deaths were in China, was that it was as the result of smoking rates, that men in China smoke a lot more than women, and so that was causing a higher mortality. Because we're seeing the same phenomenon around the world in countries where the smoking rate doesn't differ very much, We're really at a loss at the moment about what is causing this difference, but it it probably is to do with genetic factors, that there's something in the male makeup that makes them more prone to dying from the disease than women. Just on the coronavirus, are more men getting the coronavirus and dying from it, or are we getting it in roughly equal proportions? Well, that was early speculation as well, that that maybe men were dying more because they were more men were getting it, but that doesn't seem to be the case either. And particularly, we're seeing lots of clusters, for example, in nursing homes and other residential aged care facilities, mainly women in those nursing homes and uh, the carers are mainly women as well. So it seems like women are just as likely to get it as men, but once people are infected, men are more likely to die from it and more likely to end up in intensive care units. It Just broadening this out a little bit, we know that uh, women live longer than men. Can you tell us why that's the case? And talk us through, I guess, some of the reasons that, that women die versus some of the reasons that men die and why they might be different. Yeah, so there's really two important uh, factors there about why women live longer. So one is certainly genetic and the other is behavioural. And we know it's genetic because females have a survival advantage right from birth. So at every single age from birth, girls and women have lower mortality rates than men. So that starts within the first year of life. It actually starts in utero 
and continues right through to old age. And when you add up all those differences, that means, for example, that in Australia, women on average live five years longer than men. And we see that age gap is fairly constant all around the world. And it's also been fairly constant for as long as we've been measuring mortality for the last 100 or 200 years. So partly genetic, but also partly behavioural, that men tend to have a lot more risky behaviours in terms of mortality than uh, women. So as I mentioned, they tend to smoke more, they're more likely to eat unhealthy foods, less likely to exercise, and that translates into higher mortality, for example, from heart disease and cancer, which are the leading causes of death in Australia. Mm -hmm. They also, for example, have much higher accidental death rates. I mean, when you hear about a workplace death, 99 times out of 100, it'll be a man who's died Sadly, they also have much higher suicide rates than women. Yes, from my um, anecdotal experience, men do take more risks. I mean, look at the sample of these two co-hosts. Jan, have you ever massively injured yourself? Uh, Look, I jumped off a cliff in Corfu once when I was about 22 and I never did anything risky ever again. Did that incident (laughs) lead to an injury? It did. I sprained my coccyx and couldn't walk properly for six weeks. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've smashed my leg on a motorbike, once fell off a building and impaled myself on a fence. But can you go into those reasons for death a bit more, Rebecca? From my reading, the leading cause of death for women is dementia. For men, it's heart disease. What does that tell us? In Australia now, the vast majority of women are living into their 80s and 90s and beyond. And by the time you get to that age, even if the body's still going, often the brain starts failing. And that's why we're seeing dementia as the leading cause of death for women at those older ages. It's simply because they're living to those older ages. How do we help men be as good as women, you know? <laughs> now that we know that they're not, how oh, do we God. help them? <laughs> I think just generally, men um, on could do what women are doing on average, which is eating our fruit and vegetables, getting regular exercise, uh, not drinking to excess, not smoking. Right, so changing those behavioural patterns. How close will that get us, though, for this five-year gap? If we change our behaviours and, you know, risk-taking and unhealthy practices? We know it does work because the gap is actually narrowing over time. So a few decades ago, so the gap at the moment is about four years. A few decades ago, it was six or seven years. So actually, drinking rates have dropped a lot in Australia. The decline in smoking rates, particularly for men, has been absolutely phenomenal. So 50 to 60 years ago, the vast majority of men smoked. Now it's much less than half. Wow. And it's actually and becoming more and more socially unacceptable for anyone to smoke, mm. which is great news. You have way less fun and you get to live two extra years. I mean, is it really worth it? Well, there, there are some great tasting fruit and veg out there. So oh. I think indulge all you like in those. <laughs> I'm with you, Doc. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on team fruit and veg too. Don't worry. Thank you so much for joining us, um, Rebecca. A really interesting conversation. Thank you for having me. That was Dr. Rebecca Kippen, a demographer from Monash Uni. Jan, the even bigger question that we haven't even dealt with out of all this is, why would you want to live longer? <laughs> if it means that you end up dying from brain failure, dementia, I'd take a heart attack any day. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it has to be a choice between either or. I think you can probably live a healthier life and... Close the gap. And close the gap and die of a heart attack a little bit later on. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a silver lining? Not really. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast this week. Um, It's been a good one, hasn't it, Jen? It has. It's always a good one. The 5G corona conspiracy stuff was particularly fascinating this week. Yeah, it's really interesting just to hear how this stuff spreads and how to kind of combat it. And I'm not sure that there is a really clear way to do that. It's a real story of our time. Mm. I think it really captures so many things that are going on in our society, tension points, um, the rise of the internet, attitudes towards public institutions, fear, particularly in a pandemic. It's a perfect storm for it, isn't it? Identity politics, the whole lot. It is is fascinating. The hits are going to keep coming. On Monday, has coronavirus killed the sex industry? How has the lockdown affected sex workers? Can you really socially distance in that industry? Probably not. (laughs) We're going to find out on Monday. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you have an amazing weekend. A Podcast One production.